get me. From Studio A in Arcata, behind the Redwood Curtain, it's time for... Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And also interviews with comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folk. And now, here's this episode's host from up the coast, the man who puts the X in Xbox and the tie on antisocial, comedy soundcast soundcaster, Tyson Saner. Saner. Salute to Estes, me, Tyson Saner, as correctly stated by our illustrious announcer, Bill Haywatt. Welcome to Succotash, episode 279. I am your every other weekly host, which means last week, show creator and executive producer Mark Hershon had the hosting duties for episode 278. In that episode, Mr. Hershon interviewed improvisational performer, actor, and voice actor Peter Kim. On the voice acting tip, you might know Peter Kim as the voice of Bunny on the Amazon Prime cartoon Fairfax. Perhaps you have heard the soundcast he shares with Yunji Kim called The Ajuma Show, which was featured in Sekatash episode 270. Perhaps you are hearing of him for the first time now. You can always go back and listen to last week's show to hear that interview where Mr. Hershon and Mr. Kim discuss a great many interesting things. I listen to every episode of Sekatash so that I may give my opinion of them with the utmost confidence. I do a lot of listening. It's kind of my thing. Anyway, welcome to this week's show, where I've clipped a few soundcasts for you to get a feel for before potentially seeking out more content from those self-same soundcasts. I've got clips from Blood and Black Rum Podcast, I Finally Watched, and Screen Drafts. BT dubs, I've never used the word self-same before, the time before the most recent usage of it, which was about 14 words ago. Counting from not this next, but the previous utterance of the word about. Also... It takes exactly the same amount of time to say BT Doves as it does to say by the way. And of course, I will have a classic Henderson's Pants commercial for you to enjoy just as soon as I figure out which one it will be. Okay, time for the clips. First up tonight, returning to the Succotash Airwaves, as it were. Blood and Black Rum Podcast, a cult film slash horror podcast. That is an actual slash. What's the one that's leaning forward from the top? Is that right slash? For Is that forward? When it's got that... Anyway, it's from the Ace Podcast Network, and they are now in year six. Its description says, Two dudes, bruise, and a film. Horror, action, and other cult movies. So I've clipped a show from September 10th, 2021, which is episode 186, and it's called So Creepy It's Carpenter 2, uh, The Fog. So, as the episode description says, Continuing our Halloween season spent with John Carpenter's filmography, we turn to the moody mistiness of 1980's The Fog, one of Carpenter's better films, and yet still falling somewhere in the middle of his best output. Huh. We're disappointed with the lack of Tom Atkins' mustache. We query whether Jamie Lee Curtis or Adrian Barbeau tops the hotness meter. We dish out some fire at the founders of Antonio Bay, who couldn't stand to live even a mile away from a leper colony. And... We have a lot of fun talking about the film over the course of an hour, and we hope you enjoy our coverage. Oh yeah, we're drinking Leinenkugel Collaboration Lager, and Amber Lager in collab with Hofbrau München. Right, so yes, they uh, they spend a little bit of time discussing what drink they are drinking before going into the content of what's in the film. So they also made a nice little breakdown uh, which is, so it says a minute to eight minutes is the intro, eight minutes to 15 minutes is beer talk, and 15 minutes until the end is the fog. Uh, you know, technically it's a little more than 15 minutes in, but not much more. 
So that's very nice of them. But of course, I listen to the entire episode of every episode that I clip for Succotash. Uh, it just helps me find a, a context uh, sometimes. So anyway, a little unasked for peek behind the curtain. Roll a clip. I guess I should, probably should have gone into this before, but The Fog is a story about a coastal town that's being plagued, obviously, by the fog. And the Antonio fog, Bay. Antonio, yeah, I love that name, Antonio Bay. I'm not really sure where that came from, but it's a very, uh, it's a very interesting uh, name for a town, a coastal town. Should just be called Antonio Banderas. Yeah, Antonio Banderas. Banderas. Oh, the Antonio Banderas, California. You don't know it, but in ten years he's gonna be a big star. So the fog is about Antonio Bay. The fog is creeping in. There's a big fog bank, and guess what? Adrian Barbeau is our our main narrator, a Stevie, who is a a lighthouse Warrior. keeper slash. Uh, radio host from the lighthouse who loves to give nightly like every six minutes weather reports like did you notice that at the beginning of the movie like stevie like because there's that whole there's a pretty long credit sequence of like you know we're going through the the uh the the town and seeing like the different coastal areas in the lighthouse and and adrian barbeau is delivering the the news reports over the radio and there's like literally like a jazzy song for like three minutes and then adrian barbeau comes on again and is like and um i see that the weather is kind of crept up on us and it's looking like a you know, it's looking like a fairly clear night but we'll hear from the meteorologist soon and then like another three minutes goes by and she's like and it's a nice clear night uh, it's 12:06 p.m or a.m and we're uh in the midst of a great night and it's like wow this lady really likes to give up-to-the-date weather reports. Well, she's very, like I said, she's very much like the lady from the Warriors. Like, can you dig it? The Warriors <laughs> out on the run. She's like, all right, listen here. All you sailors out there going out into the night to drink some Budweiser, we have some smooth jazz for you. <laughs> 1340, Antonio Bay's favorite station. Well, you know what? Though? And then she just and she just keeps doing that over and over again. It's like no wonder why these sailors are getting drunk. They're having to listen to, you know, like, you know, like a little well, two man jazz break, and then like, all right, here's another song for you, you cats out there on the ocean. Well, see, in the late seventies and early eighties, you're pretty hard up if you weren't living in like on Forty Second Street. You know, you were trying to find whatever you could for your to get your rocks off, right? So it seems like those fishermen are listening in late at night. They're getting drunk and they're like, oh, we gotta, we gotta tune in for Stevie. She sounds pretty sultry. I wonder if it's that Adrian Barbeau. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like the thing to do in this town. Like everyone's tuning in because Stevie is so sexy. It's like, it's like radio sex coming over the, the over the air here. You know, she's delivering such risque, uh, reports about the fog and the clear night skies on their uh, centennial anniversary <laughs> it's, it's you know it's music to my ears but um which by the way too like kids out there not only is this a radio station that plays things like eight tracks cassettes and records it's an am station it's not even fm it's a fucking am station <laughs> 
I mean, it seems like this is a pretty tight-knit town, so that's literally the only radio station that is coming in in Antonio Bay. That's the only thing they're paying attention to. I know, but who's, like, so what's running on the station when she's not at the lighthouse? Yeah, it's true, like, because she's only there at night. She's only keeping tabs at night, so what are they... What are they what are they putting on the on the air at the the, the uh, Yankees game? Got the Yankees uh, afternoon game on. Hi, folks. Welcome to John Sterling and Susan Waldman here for your New York Yankees. Yeah, I just I love the the incorporation of the radio in this movie because it does feel of a time, right? You know, because it's one of those movies that is the, the small town lifestyle. Um, everybody's listening to this radio station and there even comes a point where Stevie is basically proclaiming that she needs help for her son, uh, when the fog is actually setting in and, uh, you know, basically asking anyone listening to go to her house to help with her son. And, you know, obviously now there's XM radio and FM radio and most people are not listening to WENT over here, um, in, in our area. You know, just like religiously where they would be able to uh, respond to Stevie's uh, cries for help. But it is certainly of a time. But I do love that element to the movie because it does lend a very interesting like narrative to it. And we get that very beautiful oceanic vista of Adrienne Barbeau walking down to the lighthouse that I said looks very exorcist-esque. Like... You make one wrong step, and you are rolling into the drink. And that I, I thought you're—I thought when you said that she was going to go like falling ass over tea kettle down the hole. Doesn't it? I mean, and and like <laughs> to be honest with you, the stairwell is so long that it's like, oh, and she's she's been rolling for five minutes, and no one could stop her. Carpenters just sit there like, keep the shot. All right, you can reach out to the Soundcast Blood and Black Rum uh, on Twitter. Their show account is all lowercase at b-l-o-o-d-n-b-l-a-c-k-r-u-m um yes so ryan is at grindhouse which is all lowercase g-r-y-n-e-d-h-o-u-s-e and martin doesn't have a twitter account uh that i can find not that i didn't try and you can listen to them wherever you find soundcasts pretty much next up a show called I Finally Watched uh, from I Finally Watched. <laughs> so yeah, there's a little bit underneath the uh, every time you look up something in iTunes, it says the name of the name of the podcast or the soundcast, and then it says usually I guess what is the company or what people put in the company field. So in this one, it is the name of the soundcast is I Finally Watched. Each one is capitalized. They are separated words, and there's ellipses at the end. But the business uh, in the business part, I should say. I don't actually know if it's the business thing. I haven't filled one out in so long. Uh, is all lowercase, the words I finally watched, squished together. So that's kind of cool. In the show description, it says, So many movies, so little time. Two cinephile friends, David and Alan, watch movies that at least one of them has never seen before and discuss whether it was worth the wait, if the movie holds up, and would they watch it again? It's kind of thing is right up my alley. Love talk about movies. If you couldn't tell by the end of the show. Uh, so let's see. Uh, this clip is from a show they did back in April on the 15th was when it was published. It was 2021. And it's from episode 71. And they finally watched the movie Amadeus. One of my favorite movies. Uh, so 
in the episode description, it says, For our third best picture winner is 1984's Amadeus, starring F. Murray Abraham, Tom Hulse, and Elizabeth Berridge. With such a unique point of view and dialogue, what did you guys think about this movie? Nice of them to ask. I already said that it's one of my favorite films, so I'm afraid I'm not too much help at this moment in time. Here's a section of it. The other thing, too, is kind of a bigger theme that I saw, which I found interesting, was Salieri seemingly the way the movie presents it is like the only one who sees how truly talented Mozart is or is like the one that appreciates it the most and it drives him insane with jealousy. But if Salieri didn't compare himself to Mozart, like, you know, the emperor told him, you know, that's the best opera that's ever been written. You know what I mean? And like congratulated him and handed him a medal, you know, in front of Mozart. So it's like, everyone sees Salieri as so amazing and accomplished and he just sees Mozart as being so much better than him. And like, no one else really seems to think that. Well, I mean, one thing, like, I think that plays a big factor into that is age. The fact that Mozart is like, what, 20 years younger than Salieri just about. And I I feel like um, that plays a big part of it too. But also, it's kind of funny, right? Because I would say that Mozart's biggest downfall, I'm not saying that's what killed him, but I'm saying one of his biggest downfalls in life is his pride, right? But Salieri's biggest downfall is his envy. And I think the kind of the play between pride and envy between these two characters really works in such a way that it's like, I don't know. At at the end of it, they they work together, but also they're still they're still opposed. Like, I love it too because we're in Salieri's mind the entire movie, and it's like, okay, we know no matter what he says to Mozart, in the back of his mind, his other like agenda is to be against him, is to you know be his downfall, to push him to the edge. But then when they're actually speaking, Mozart is like, actually, I, I think you're really talented and I really like you a lot. And then Salieri's like, actually, I think you're really talented and I really like you a lot. But then in the, you know, behind the scenes, there's like, I'm going to, Salieri's like, I'm going to destroy you. But then Mozart keeps being like, no, actually, I really genuinely like you and respect you. Just, just like crazy to me. Right. Right. Um, I also, I like the scene where, uh, first it's like the scene where the emperor is discussing whether to you know to keep mozart and salieri kind of convinces them by saying like well it'll really piss the archbishop archbishop off and the uh the emperor's like oh yeah that is that is enough for me to do it um and then the introduction of mozart as they like as they tell him to walk in but they tell the guy bringing him like walk slowly so i can practice this and like the Mozart trying to like walk around the guy and get him to speed up, um, you know, is really funny to me. And then, you know, as you said, like the, the song that Salieri wrote and then the way Mozart just sort of like dunked on him by like doing it better, just hearing it uh, is pretty great. Yeah. I mean, but also did you get annoyed or like, I don't, I don't know. It's not annoy annoyance, something else when Salieri is teaching people to like sing and play piano and they're just like they have no talent in it whatsoever 
like the what is he the emperor right uh, he's just like he's really awful but i don't know it's just like they're ju- like he's he's in the position of the most power so his judgment is the most important but when you have someone with like zero talent judging people like mozart and salieri with like tremendous talent does it piss you off like to be like oh, it's okay or oh i'm gonna put you at this post even though you don't really deserve it it's like dude this is freaking mozart um no i, th- I think i you know obviously it frustrates mozart in the movie um you know he i like the scene where he's telling them he's like oh i want to do the opera in german because they had been discussing it and no you know no opera had been done in german according to the movie He's like, yeah, I want to do a German opera about Turkish whores. And they're all just like, what? Um, I'd, I'd watch it. It's still at the end of the day. It's opera, though. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's beautiful. It's uh, prestige. And then, you know, you get the scene where he's, you know, training the lady and um, Katerina. And she's like, oh, you know, can you introduce me to Mozart? And he's like, you don't want to do that play. It's about a Turkish harem. She's like, oh. And then the cut to her in it. Actually, um, Right before that, I wanted to talk to this this part about that is where he's uh, convincing her not to do it or just she's like, oh, I'd love to meet him. You're so lucky you got to meet him. And then he goes, well, I, I don't know if you want to meet him because, I mean, I'm just saying like looks don't always match the talent. And he's like, like flirting with her like, oh, you're beautiful and you're talented. And that's not for everyone because, like, you know, Amadeus is Mozart's kind of goofy looking. Right, he's a goofy looking motherfucker. And um and she's like, Oh, it's not really looks that are attractive to me. It's talent. And so on that basis, right, because we know Salieri at that point has a huge crush on her. So this is like giving him hope in a way. Like he's not the best looking guy either. He's quite a bit older than her and whatever, but he's extremely talented. But then for her to sleep with Mozart, as opposed to him, like think about how much not only is he not only is Mozart, who is younger than him, sleeping with the woman he likes, but now he knows that the woman he likes doesn't really care about looks, but only talent, and would only sleep with Mozart and not him. Like that's like double gut punch. No, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you can reach out to the show at finally watched all lowercase f-i-n-a-l-l-y-w-a-t-c-h-e-d uh alan grange is on twitter at showrunner underscore tv that is capital s-h-o-w-r-u-n-n-e-r underscore capital t capital v uh david does not appear to have a twitter account but i'm sure that if you tweet at that one twitter account uh, you are at least likely to uh you're most likely for them to see it i suppose Anyway, I really enjoy this episode. I like that they have this, uh, they seem to really enjoy movies and talking about them. And it's hard to say, but I imagine I would have liked this even if, um, even if I had cho- chosen a different movie, which I will probably listen to another episode of their Soundcast in the Future to get an idea of what they thought of some other stuff. Hello, friends. Bill Haywatt here to tell you that sometimes it's not your pants, but what's in your pants that's important. And when the contents of your trousers is a pair of Henderson's bivouac briefs, your privates couldn't be in better hands.
pants. Henderson's Pants is, of course, world-renowned for their pants and trousers. But we believe in building lower body garments from your bottom on up, which means it's high time that we get into the underwear game as well. And what better way to announce to the world that we're ready to get into your pants than with Henderson's Bivouac Briefs? These are not just some wimpy, wispy man panties. No siree, Bob. Henderson's Bivouac Briefs are woven from 100% Kevlar and are made with everything you need when getting home is not an option. Whether you're spending the night with a friend, or a week away on a business trip, Henderson's patented multi-pocket technology gives you more than a dozen places to stow your junk in your trunks. A toothbrush, a razor, dental floss, a shoehorn, a fountain pen, a couple of plums, a ripe banana. The only limit to the things you can carry in your Henderson's bivouac briefs is your imagination and any applicable local law. Originally designed for MacGyver, inspector Gadget and the professor from Gilligan's Island, Henderson's Bivouac Briefs are just the ticket when you want to play hide the salami and really mean it. That's Henderson's, makers of manly unmentionables since 2013, and now back to Sakatash. And thank you, Bill Haywatt. It's always nice to hear your voice, uh, especially in the context of these wonderfully silly fake commercials that we've been running for 10 years without a single dime to be seen for it because 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 it's fake it's not real not a real sponsor not a real sponsor imagine if we had a real sponsor imagine the kind of fun we could have with that <sighs> anyway finally a soundcast called screen drafts from clay keller and ryan marker so i'm guessing it's business slash organization I don't know. I'm literally going to have to go back to the forum now, and I feel like I wish I had done this earlier, but I just didn't think about it then. Anyway, the show description of Screen Drafts is experts and enthusiasts competitively collaborate in the creation of screen-centric, quote, best-of, unquote, lists. Hosted by draft commissioners Clay Keller and Ryan Marker. (laughs) Quote, most impeccable taste in guests, unquote, from Entertainment Weekly. That's funny. So, yeah, apparently uh, that is what Entertainment Weekly thought of Clay Keller and Ryan Marker. At least I believe that's what I'm supposed to glean from the inclusion of that. Anyway, the clip is from a show from back in January, January 19th of 2021, and it's called John Woo with Dan Trachtenberg and David Chen. Episode description says, Director Dan Trachtenberg, uh, and then the one credit they list here is 10 Cloverfield Lane, which I have seen, and podcaster David Chen of the credit is culturally relevant is what it's called apparently uh they competitively rank the seven best films from the career of the singular john woo cue the doves yep so it's the third movie uh sound cast that i've chosen and uh it's, it's all it's all about movies apparently this time i do like a good conversation about movies uh we do often try to feature comedians or comedy adjacent people, but you know it is there is room for just movie talk, uh, especially if I find entertainment. And what I did is I chose uh, episodes of each of these people's shows that had content that I was already interested in, and I think that's pretty much how people choose to listen to Soundcast as it is. It's why we give you so many choices. Maybe you like a few of the things we like. Maybe you recommend something to us, and we listen to it against our uh, instincts. Anyway, enjoy the clip. What is it about the filmography of John Woo 
that made you want to take on the responsibility of doing uh, doing the doing his draft? Well, I want to set a little bit more context to that because it. truly it was a debate between are we doing Jackie Chan or are we doing John Woo? And I put that question right. to Dave because uh, in my memory, in my the times I've spent um, conversing and hanging with Dave, I felt like we were both massive fans of 80s, 90s Hong Kong action cinema and specifically Jackie Chan and John Woo. And Dave said to me, he said, you know what? This, this is great. I want to do this. Boy, that Jackie Chan filmography is insane to have to go back and revisit all of those movies. That's going to be a lot. John Woo, all I have to do is watch Red Cliff. And I was like, <laughs> right, you're right. He said such a small filmography. If there's one you haven't seen, we can just watch that one. And that's great. Then, as we uh, are both starting to discuss about acquiring some of these movies for rewatch, turns out Dave hasn't seen uh, a number of, of John Woo movies that started to, to, to worry me a little bit. Um, and I'll let him speak to that. The other thing I want to say, too, about the uniqueness of me and Dave is that, and John Woo, is that Dave, uh, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, Dave, but you. Too late. You, yeah. <laughs> but David, I think, has very peculiar tastes that don't always go with um, what pop culture decides to be, you know, great or the, 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 the you know, decided upon best list for a filmmaker sure. or actor or whatever that is in general. And I think I'm not necessarily with pop culture in terms of John Woo. So we are very interesting for that. Also, Dave, I think, in tends to be a stickler for logic in movies. <laughs> and especially upon revisiting the Wu filmography, you know, the man is telling mythic stories um, that uh, move like... Uh, uh, not even just the action choreography, but the stories move like a ballet or an opera. They're not. They're not, they're they're not asking you to, to. They're not asking you to follow the letter of of the law in terms of realism and and the natural laws, be, be they physical or even the, the way people think. Um, so I'm nervous about the way Dave interprets some of these films when it comes to that. But um, to go back to your initial question. A lot of people um, got into the film industry because they went to the theater in 1977 to see Star Wars and the first moments where, um, you know, the Star Destroyer is is tracking Princess Leia's ship and coming overhead. And they were like, I can't believe that. And they want to be in movies. Um, for me, it was um, and I'm going to have to speak around certain movies, but it was seeing a John Woo movie for the first time that I could not believe what I was seeing. Um, and I yeah. really understood what an auteur was ben in that Affleck moment. running around. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was paycheck that really did it. See no. Nicolas Cage in war. No, I'm just yeah. um, um So, so yeah, I mean, it, it, and I, I uh, yeah, he, he's just massively influential in my, career and it was a treat to go back and revisit these with these movies with um the eyes i have now and and the mindset i have now having made movies and stuff so um 
but yeah, he's he's very a very special filmmaker to me. Going back with a fresh perspective after uh, after gaining inspiration from this man to become a filmmaker, uh, that is where Dan's coming from. David Dan um, said a whole lot of things about about you in his in his opening. Do you agree yeah. with his characterization of of I, how you're coming into this draft? I think technically the the, well, the the technical term of what Dan just did is put me on blast just now. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so first of all, Dan, how dare you? Uh, call me out on this podcast. Um, my first appearance here. Thanks, Dan, for introducing me in such a ignominious way. But um, okay, so here's what I'm going to say. According to IMDb, Jackie Chan has like 141 actor credits. So I'm like, okay, probably not going to be able to do a comprehensive view of that. And John Woo, in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, I watched a ton of John Woo. Uh, when I was young, but then, uh, but, but basically, what I had said to Dan, I said like, "Hey, Dan, I'm going to commit to like, you know, watching or rewatching like three to four John Woo movies in advance of the screen drafts episode." I started watching the uh, the John Woo movies, and I'm just like, I'm reminded this guy is one of the reasons I fell in love with cinema in the first place, and so I ended up watching probably like ten. You know, I, I planned to watch like three to four. But I ended up watching like 10 uh, movies this week, some of them for the first time, uh, just to come correct for the podcast. You know what I'm saying? Just to, <laughs> just to show up in a good way. Just so I'd have a retort for what I knew would be a rather, uh, you know, c- coming out guns blazing from the Dan Trachtenberg here. Uh, but, uh, two yeah. guns. Two guns blazing. Two guns blazing uh, in both hands. And uh, so... Uh, yes, John Woo, uh, hugely influential filmmaker, not only for the film industry, for, but for me personally. And rewatching these movies, I'm like, yeah, this is why this is why I fell in love with movies. This is why I spend a lot of time talking with movies is because of people like John Woo. Um, he he was a huge influence on me, and so it was a delight, it was a joy to go back and revisit a lot of these movies, and for some of these movies to visit for the first time. So. Um, so that's a little bit about my, my take on it. All right. So you can reach the show on Twitter at capital S C R E E N capital D R A F T S. That is screen drafts. Dan Trachtenberg can be reached at Danny T R S on Twitter. That is capital D A N N Y capital T capital R capital S. David Chen can be reached on Twitter at all lowercase Dave Chensky. That is D A V E C H E N S K Y. Clay Keller can be reached at all lowercase Clay Keller, C-L-A-Y-K-E-L-L-E-R, and Ryan Marker can be found at MarkerRyan625. That is capital M-A-R-K-E-R, capital R-Y-A-N, the numeral 6, the numeral 2, the numeral 5. They've got a pretty nice website over at uh, at letterboxd.com. Screen Drafts Letterboxd is how it sounds, except it's missing the E at the end. So L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D dot com forward slash we've decided Screen Drafts. And that apparently also links to their Patreon. Now, I say apparently because I was surprised that I included that information. I don't know why. It doesn't say that apparently leads. It, it does. I know it does. I looked at it. Whatever. And there goes episode 279, Into the Annals of Succotash History. Now, I looked it up, and I am still not 100% certain I'm using the word annals correctly. It does sound good, though, so I'm leaving it in. I do hope that if you happen to stumble across us on your way to find something to listen to, that we accomplished our mission in bringing you a few more ideas. It's what this show has been doing for over ten years now. 
What would really thrill me personally to know is if you had heard about us from someone else and decided to seek us out because of their recommendation. That would be awesome. It means what we're doing is working in some intrinsic way. At least I think that's what it would mean. I just looked up intrinsic, and apparently I do have an understanding of how to use that word, having never really done so previously. Um, hooray? Sure, hooray. Hooray for neuroplasticity, a concept I endorse and have frequently thought about. Thank you for listening. Be decent to each other. Go to www.tysonsaner.com for Minecraft videos and other content, including original music and other stuff. And if someone asks you if you have heard anything interesting lately, and it happens that it was us, won't you please pass the Suckatash? You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, with your host, Tyson Saner. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Rate us and review us at Apple and Google Podcasts. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com. On Spotify. On Stitcher. On iHeartRadio. On YouTube. On SoundCloud. And wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Suckatash Show. Like us on Facebook. Email us at tyson at suckatashshow.com or call into the Suckatash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at hightail.com slash you slash Suckatash. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Suckatash is executive produced by Mark Hershon. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash. Goodbye. This has been a Succotash Patch production.